If you don't know me, I'm going to try to have as much fun up here as possible. I remember we had a preacher years ago. He, it was incredible what he shared. But he stood right like this by the pulpit. He talked monotone the whole time. And as a teenager, it was rough. As an adult, listening to him and the depth that he went into was incredible. But as a teenager, I started counting in our building. We had the ceiling tiles. And there's 472 of them, by the way. Um, So let's have fun this morning, right? Can we do that? So what is the loneliest cheese? Provolone. Come on, guys. Come on. What is the most educated supplement? Collagen. See... I used, David McCall used to send me dad jokes. So now I'm having to find them on my own because he used to send them to me all the time and goes, hey, there, here's some good ones. How about this one? Honk if you like peace and quiet. <laughs> a day without sunshine, a day without sunshine is like night. It's bad luck to be superstitious. Okay, I guess that's enough good ones, huh? My wife is just going, oh my God, I can't believe I have to live with this moron. So, but that leads me up to the title of my sermon this morning. How many of you guys have seen this movie? Yeah, it's a great movie. He, Bill Murray's one of my favorites. I just, I like him from, from Groundhog Day to What About Bob. I mean, he's just, he was influential in my life. So if, if you hear um, some of him coming out this morning, it's, sorry. But who was Phil? He was a cynical TV weatherman, finds himself reliving the same day over and over and over in the same location in a small town of Ponganoxie to film a report about the annual Groundhog Day. His, tr- his predicament drives him and he goes crazy until he sees ways to better himself so a situation could change. If you remember the movie, he gets, wakes up one day, he goes through all these spiral effects until he realizes that maybe I can make a difference. Okay, Phil decides to use his knowledge of the loop to change himself and to change others. He saves people from deadly accidents and misfortunes. He learns how to play the piano, sculpts ice, and speak French. Right? I mean, if you're stuck in the same day over and over, you might as well start doing something fun, right? Um, Just as there is no justification for why and how Phil got caught up in the loop... The length of time is only as long as it takes for Phil to become a better person. If he would have just kept struggling, he probably would have just stayed in the loop and stayed in the loop, stayed in the loop, stayed in the loop, stayed in the loop. And I start thinking about our walks with God. And we find ourselves in the same routine, the same rut, year after year, struggling with the same things over and over and over. Something happens, 
something in your life is triggered and you go right back to the loop. You go right back to the loop. You go right back to the sin that you thought you conquered. The addiction that you thought you conquered. All of a sudden something happens and you go right back to February 2nd. Why is it that we get stuck in these loops? It's not because we have cheesy dad jokes. Get that one? Cheesy dad jokes. I'm a provolone at this. Come on, guys. Why do we get stuck here? I feel that we get stuck there because lack of relationship. Ruth and Naomi. So, Naomi and her husband moves to a, a far land. And not long after that, Naomi's husband dies. And then Ruth's husband dies. And they're, they're in this land and they find out that the, everything is going so much better in Bethlehem than what it's going there. So Naomi finally says, you know what? I'm going to leave this land and I'm going to go back home. She has two daughter-in-laws, Ruth and Oprah. And they go, to, go with her. And she says, no, 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 wait. You don't need to go stay with your people. Don't come with me. And Oprah eventually leaves and goes back to her people. But Ruth says, no, I'm going to stay with you. There's times in, in, in a relationship that there's somebody that God knits your heart with. And you go, wherever you go, I will go. Whatever you do, I will do. Ruth isn't the only one in the scripture that basically said those words to someone. But here in Ruth 1 in verse 16 says, Do, Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. How do we stay out of the loop? We attach ourselves to someone. Not in a, in a bad way. There, there's, there's one thing to follow someone blindly just because they're cool. But when God brings something into your, somebody into your life and there's something inside of you that goes, I need to be around that. I remember back in 1996, I just graduated high school. We went on a trip to the Philippines and there was, there was a pastor friend of ours who's no longer alive. He passed away a few years ago and he was on the trip and we started talking and instantly something inside of me goes, I want what he has. That calling, that gifting that he had, something inside of me says, I need that. If he was around, guess where I was? As close to him as I could get. He was a, an incredible musician. He, he, just, he was just a cool dude. He lived up in Minnesota and he would go spear fishing, scuba fishing. And I'm like, how deep do you go? He goes, ah, you know, about 80 feet. What's the visibility? Like 150 feet visibility in those lakes. And I'm like, this, this guy's kind of cool. 
I like fishing, but I'd love to have a spear gun underwater, right? Am I the only one? Come on, guys. You guys got quiet on me all of a sudden. Yeah, Kevin, Kevin would have enjoyed it. But he's one of those guys. But it wasn't just the natural of him being neat and him being gifted. There was a spiritual calling that something inside of me said, I need that. There's so many of us in churches all over that don't have that connection with someone. So that's someone that says, man, I want to be more like them. I want to have what they have. That gifting, that calling. And part of it is, is our relationships in churches are really shallow. We know each other. We know each other's names. It's like, oh, it's good to see you, Jim, today. How are you doing? But for us to get out of the loop, for us to get out of those things, we have to have each other. We have to have somebody that's going to speak into your life. Ruth decided to stick with Naomi no matter what was going on. She left her family and moved with her. And then, of course, she becomes the, in the, she gets married to Boaz, and you guys can read the whole story. But eventually, her grandson is Jesse, the father of David. And so, because Ruth did not stay in her land, she said, No, there's something I need from there. You know, I think of my, my nephew, Zach, who's not here. They moved to Bethel to, or to Redding, California, to be part of Bethel because there's something there that he needs. There's something there at that school. There's somebody there that needs to impart something to him, just like Naomi did to Ruth. The consistency says a highlight of the relationship between Ruth and Naomi is their loyalty to each other. They each have others back, each other's back, only, and they only want the best for each other. So I want you to think about this in your own life. Which family member or friend needs your loyalty? Needs you to say, how can I pray for you today? How can we strengthen each other? I've got your back if you get my back. Send them a text. Express your love and loyalty to them and say, hey, let's do this together. The next, the next um, story I want to talk about today is Moses and A.A. Ron. <laughs> I'm just letting you know our goofy drummer said I had to say it that way. So I'm going to work hard. Every time I say A.A. Ron, to say A.A. Ron, okay? So Moses, when he was born, of course, he, then the, the Pharaoh says, we're going to kill all the kids, right? So Moses' mom puts him in the, in the river, in the Nile River, and the Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses and saves him from death. He grows, he grows up in Egypt, in the Pharaoh's house, and he makes a mistake. He gets mad and he kills someone 
and he has to leave Egypt. And he spends 40 years feeding and watching over somebody else's sheep, somebody else's flock. He spent 40 years out there on his own. And I think about in my own life, I'm like, God, do I, do I have 40 years? I mean, I'm young enough that I still have a good 40 years. Okay, guys, just to let you know that. But God had to do something in that span, in that season, to get him ready to deliver the people of Israel. I think we've all gone through seasons of where we're like, man, what is going on? We all get stuck in that loop of going, what is going to change? How can can this be? Sometimes we have to go through those seasons, those dry times, to realize that we need to work on our character. A pastor friend of ours years ago says, God cares more about your character than he ever does about your ministry. You can be called... Like Billy Graham, but if you don't have character, it's not going to happen. Or we can see in past where it did happen, they had poor character and they had affairs, they cheated, they stole, they got greedy, and there's, there's a lot of those pastors out there if you look them up. Because at some point, the calling, the ministry was more important than the character. And what I, I feel that what Moses was doing in that time was dealing with his character. God was doing things inside of him. And sometimes in that loop, we, we, get, we, we just kind of go through things. We kind of go through things and we say, okay, God, change me from within. Then in the burning bush, Moses... God speaks to Moses and says, hey, I need you to go deliver my people. And Moses goes, man, I will be happy to do it, but I need help. I can't speak. I stutter. I, I, I'm not eloquent with words. And, and God actually rebuked him for it. He says, come on, trust me. He's like, no, no. So God sends his older brother, Aaron, Aaron, dog on it, to be the spokesperson to the miracles that God was about to do. Moses is a hero of the faith and yet had a hard time speaking. So many times we discount ourselves. Well, I can't speak. I can't do this. I can't do that. Maybe you can't, but maybe there's a Chris to me that can. One of the values that we have in this church is that Chris and I co-pastor. We have the ability to speak into each other's lives. We have an ability to be funny with each other. We have ability to be sarcastic. We have ability to be real. But when it comes down to it, if there's a character flaw that needs to be addressed, we have the ability to speak into each other's life. 
He gets up here and knocks a sermon out of the park. And I go, golly, now I got to pick up my game next week. (laughs) Which means I either have to tell more jokes or I really have to bring my game. Okay, so I'm just. But there's a relationship. Last week, Ron shared about some of the difficulties, some of the trials, some of the things that they had to walk through to get to where they are today. And as he was sharing that, one of the things that I thought of was, he didn't mention was the relationships he had that strengthened him and encouraged him and wouldn't let him stay here, but said, okay, come on, let's go have dinner. Let's go hang out. Sometimes we don't even have to open the word of God to strengthen each other. It's just being a friend. It's being there. It's being relational. I have friends that when I'm around them, my spirit goes, yes, we don't even have to talk about God. We don't have to talk about the word of God. We don't have to do any of that. We don't have to talk about what our churches are doing, but there's a knitting of the hearts. I'm encouraged when I leave their presence. Because there's a knitting of hearts. Then I have friends that you hang around them. And if you hang around them too long, they drag you down. I'm not mentioning any names in here. Okay? Because chances are that person's not in here. That person's not saying, I'm hungry for more of what God has for me. In Exodus 4, 31, it says, Then the people of Israel were convinced that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshiped. When Moses and Aaron, I wasn't going to read it through the scripture that way, sorry. Moses had the staff and was the, the one leading the miracles. Aaron was the one speaking. That relationship is so important. And if, if you have your Bible, if you have your Bibles, Exodus 17, verse 10, 13, we're just going to read another story about Moses and Aaron. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the armies of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses... Aaron and Hur climbed up to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up his staff in his hand, the Israelites had an advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became tired, so he, so he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found stones for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands, so his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of of Amalek in battle. I've always liked that scripture. That when, when I get tired, when I'm in that loop, when I'm stuck in a routine, when I don't know what to do, I have someone I can call. Someone that is there. My A.A. Ron and my her are there to lift me up. And say, you're not alone. 
We're here to help fight this battle. We're starting a new season. Bayfield started it last week with school. Most of us have no routines, no set plans for the summer. And then all of a sudden school hits and we go, okay, we're going to start a routine back up. We're going to start getting, we're going to do this. We got this, we've got this. And most of the time we get more organized and you have to, if you have a bunch of kids, you have to be more organized. You have to get a routine. You have to find those things. We have our youth group starting up tomorrow night. And this is one way for the youth to start building relationships with others to go, can you pray with me? Maybe it's with one of the leaders. Maybe it's with another youth. But it's a, it's a time to build relationship. We have our men's group on Tuesday night. I know that there's men that go to that that go, man, I do not want to live without it because I know that there's other men praying for me and lifting me up. And then we have the women's group on Wednesday night. And it is an opportunity for the women to strengthen and encourage each other and pray with each other. We need our A.A. Ron. We need our her. We need our Ruth. We need our Naomi to be around us. Because there's going to be attacks that come that you have to open up to someone and say, I need help. How many of you guys have tried to go through things on your own? How did that work? It usually doesn't work well. There's things in our Christian walk. And most of the time, I would say 90% of the time, we need relationship with people. We need that encouragement. We need that. Dude, you got to pick up your game. As a coach, I love telling my players, hold your teammates accountable. Hold them accountable. If they hit a bad pass to you, be like, hey, next time, better pass, please. Next time. Don't put it out in front of me. I need it right here. But hold your teammates accountable. If they come to practice and they're slacking, say, hey, let's pick it up before we all have to do burpees. But if you don't have a relationship, who's going to help get you out of that loop? Who's going to get you out of that spiral? Who's going to help? Now, we always have the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if you're in a season of being alone, ask the Holy Spirit, who do I need to connect with? Who can I connect my heart with? Whose spirit? That same spirit. When you meet somebody that has a like spirit, something happens. How many of you guys have ever felt that in church or just around? You meet someone and you go, yeah, that is the coolest dude ever. He's got high waters, big old thick glass. No, I'm just, but it doesn't matter what they look like when your heart connects. 
something changes. The life of Moses. What we can learn from that is don't allow fear and anxiety hold you back. Allow others to come alongside of you and strengthen you. Allow the Holy Spirit to reveal and bring an A.A. Ron into your life. The last thing I want to talk about this morning is warrior. God has called all of us to be a warrior. It says here, the warriors of God build fellowship with other Christians. Warriors of God have a consistent relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Warriors of God seek God's guidance on what battle to fight and which ones to ignore. How many of you guys have picked up a battle you probably shouldn't have picked up? Yeah, I know I have. Sorry, honey. My bad. Warriors of God stand for righteousness, truth, and justice. I mean, I I think of all the medieval time movies, and I see the warriors, the gladiators, the knights, and I'm like, dude, these guys are cool. Right? I mean, I... You, nobody wants to be the, the jester. Well, I mean, I might, but nobody else. Okay? But you want to be that warrior. You want to be that guy that ever, when they walk back in town, they go, this guy's mighty. This guy's brave. But a warrior has to know two things. They have to know who they are, and they have to know whose they are. A warrior goes through all kinds of training. I mean, if you think about a Navy SEAL, I would say they're the warriors of the United States, right? There's nobody in this room that wants to go through the training they have to go through. The things they have to endure, the things that they have to mind over matter, right? The things they have to learn, But that's how they know who they are. I sent out a text to two of my friends. And I said, who do you see that I am? Sometimes you like what they have to say. Sometimes you don't ask people because you don't want to know what they have to say, right? Well, here's what they had to say says, you care deeply about people. You are sincere, loyal, dependable, generous, honest, and a family man. I don't mind reading that again over myself. You are deeply concerned about people. You are sincere, loyal, dependable, generous, honest, and a family man. That did not happen because I'm an amazing person. That happened because I allowed others to speak into my life. I allowed others to motivate me. I allowed others to pick me up when I was down. I allowed others. I allowed others.
from a young age, I knew who I, whose I was. Growing up in church, I'm a warrior in the kingdom of God. You know, you go to children's church and you learn about the armor of God, right? And you go, yeah, I can put that on. I remember going to kids camp. So I was, that was probably fourth grade, fifth grade. We went to a camp in Oklahoma. It was a three-day kids camp. I have no clue how my dad put up with all of us boys, but he did. And I remember going, I want to build the kingdom of God. I don't want to just go to school and live I don't want to just do this. Yes, I do. I want to be silly. I want to be goofy. I want to play sports. But ultimately, I knew from a young age whose I was and that I was built, I was made to be a warrior in the kingdom of God. And God has called each and every one of us to be a warrior in the kingdom of God. We all have different roles. Maybe you're the warrior up front. Maybe you're the cupbearer. Maybe I don't know what you are. But you have a role to play in seeing the kingdom of God advanced. Better get back to my notes. Here we go. Moses knew who he was. In Numbers 12, in verse 3, now Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth. Who do you think wrote that? Moses Moses wrote that. I am the most humble man around. I just think of like a British accent and you're in Oxford and I am humble. Moses said this because he knew who he was. Of the things that my friend sent me, the things that I would have probably said is loyal, dependable, generous. I probably could have written all those down about myself. Because in allowing God in my life and allowing others you start seeing who you really are. I think one of my first sermons I ever preached, I I had a song play that's talking about Billy's got his beer goggles on. If you guys have, some of you guys have heard that. But so many times we see our life through filters. My dad was a photographer. He had different filters he could put on the lens depending on the situation. Some of us, we get stuck in this loop. We get stuck in this thing of what God, of life. And we just put filters on it instead of allowing others to help. That's why some of us are still struggling with addictions. Because in, instead of having brothers and sisters in the Lord strengthening you, speaking into your life, you go, I've got this. I'll just put this filter on. It'll make me look better. But I really don't have to change. And then 40 years later, we're still in the desert. Or 20 days later, we're still stuck in this loop of February 2nd. Because we didn't allow people to speak into us. 
I think it's a good test to ask some of your friends, who do you think I am? I see some people shaking heads. No, 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 no. We ain't going to do that. One of the things Chris said was sarcastic. That I am, okay? But Chris and I do this because we care about you guys. And I don't want the church, not just our church, but the church in general, to get stuck. You know what? I'm going to go to church on Sunday. I'm going to get up and I'm going to read my Bible and pray on Monday. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to take the, pick the kids up from gymnastics. The next day, I'm too busy. I forgot to read and pray. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to pick up the kids from school. The Wednesday, oh yeah, I need to pray. I need. How many of us have done that? Right? We get stuck in the same routine and then you go, oh man, hopefully they have something really good at church that will ultimately change my life supernaturally. And Monday morning, you get up and you pray and you read your word. You go to work. You pick up your kid from gymnastics. Tuesday morning, you forget. And we do the same thing over and over when maybe you go, hey, I need you to hold me accountable on Tuesday morning. I was listening to a podcast and the guy goes, he goes, I get triggered. Things happen in my life. And do I respond right the first time? In the situation, do I respond right? No. But then I realized, God, why? Why is that trigger there? What is happening before it goes on? How many of us ask those questions? Sometimes your friends can go, well, I can tell you what that is. A good friend should. To be a warrior, you have to know who you are. And ultimately, you have to know whose you are. When a Navy SEAL goes on a mission, their name is not used. They are the property of the United States of America. And they do what they're told. They do it together in a team. Believe me, when a Navy SEAL group goes out, you want to know that that person got your back. I don't want us to get stuck in the loop. If you do not have someone in your life that you would say is my A.A. Ron or is my Ruth to the Naomi, if you do not have that, start asking and seeking God who that might be. Amen? Let's all stand. A warrior after God's heart prepares for battle. We are in a battle every day. And I want us to be prepared. I want us as the youth in this church to be at youth group so they can start preparing for what is coming ahead. They can start building relationships with those that will strengthen them. 
I want us to get involved in, our, in the life groups as much as you can. And if it's not involved in the life groups here, maybe it's a podcast that you listen to every week. Maybe it's a, it's a women's group at another church. But I'm challenging each and every one of us to prepare ourselves. And in that, we need others. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for what you're doing. And what you're speaking. Father right now. I ask that you would just start. Softening our heart. Softening. Those areas. Preparing us. For our Aaron. For our Ruth. Preparing us for those relationships. That are going to get us out of the loop. Out of the routine. The just the junk that can hold us accountable and get us back being prepared to build the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. And and Chris has something to share real quick. Hey guys, just real quick before um, before we're dismissed, uh, if we can be praying for our friend Steve, uh, or uh, Steve Walton's brother, Dan, so Julie's brother-in-law, uh, he was just taken to the emergency room uh, earlier today for a possible stroke. They're not sure. Michelle texted back and said it might be Ball's pal- Bell's palsy, but it might also be a stroke, and they're not entirely sure. And so if we can be praying for him, they're, they're going into CT scan right now. They're back in Wisconsin right now. But we're just going we're, we're, we're yes. to pray for Dan real quick. So, God, we just, God, we come before you. God, we just lift up Dan to you right now. And, God, I ask that your healing touch would just be upon his life. God, I ask that there would just be peace over him, over Michelle. And God, I ask that there would just be wisdom for the doctors and everything that they're doing right now. God, you are the God who heals. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God, we love you and we thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Guys, you're dismissed. Have a wonderful week. And we will see you all next Sunday. Yeah.